0: Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to episode number 50 of the Chronically Courageous. And this is the second half of last week's anniversary episode that talked about all of the life-changing lessons that I've learned in this past year. And boy, has it been a lot. So let's jump into the second half of the life changing lessons, because there were way too many to fit into that first episode. And this next one is all about surrender. And so many times when we are in illness, we think about fighting that illness and being a warrior and When we think about fighting, though, think about it. When have you ever fought against something and had it just back down to you? Usually when you fight something, it amplifies that energy of that thing fighting back. So it just makes more sense to work with what's happening. So in the case of illness, the importance of surrendering to what's going on and really listening to the messages that your body's sending to you so that you can work with your body instead of against it to heal. So with that, here is a little snippet from my conversation with my personal health coach, Molly Lowry. One of the things that you said that I want to touch on a little bit deeper, you so you talked about you were fighting, you're always fighting for your health. And I think so many of us put it in that context of I'm a warrior, and I'm going to fight this and really kind of turning our illness into the enemy. Can you talk a little bit about how your mindset around that changed and kind of a a different approach to that that may not be as well known to other people? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So from a really, really wide perspective, we grow up in a society, in a culture that programs us to believe that our illness is something that happens to us and we're a victim to it. And it's something that's wrong. It's something that's broken. And we, we need to like get out of us or we just need to like cover it up or make ourselves feel better. And my perspective of illness is it's just a way of our body communicating to us that there's something off. It's just our body's way of being like, hey, something's out of balance and you need to change something about your thoughts or your behavior or just the way you're doing things in general so that I can heal and go back into balance. And so, you know, you're not working against the illness. You're not fighting it. You're working with it and you're listening to it. And you're saying, you know, working with your body, listening to your body, asking like, okay, how are you feeling now? And like, how does this food make you feel? How does going on a walk make you feel? How does, you know, drinking alcohol make you feel? Just really tuning into that space of like, How can I fully listen to what's going on in my body? How can I fully love myself so that I can give my body what it needs? How can I love and appreciate this illness for teaching me what it needs to teach me and for showing me where I need to adjust things? And the other thing I'll say about that is the energy of fighting is creating resistance and is actually blocking you from healing. Because if you're fighting, it's just like tension, you know, it, it's the same. It's, it's like the, fighting comes from our fight or flight response, right? Like I'm not safe. And so if, you're, if all of your actions and your thoughts reflect a fight, then you're sending signals to your body, I'm not safe and I'm not safe is where that illness has come from in the, in the first place energetically. Mm. So, you know, energetically we need to shift into not I'm fighting for my health or I'm fighting to heal, but I'm accepting this and I'm loving it and I'm appreciating it for what it is. And I'm shifting into health.
0: I learned so many things from Molly and I wanted to include another snippet from our conversation about the importance of self-love and just love in general. Love is such a healing energy, and I really believe that part of my healing has been not only learning to love myself, but also being in a truly unconditionally loving relationship, as many of you have heard many times that I've spoken about with my fiancé, David, But really, even if we're not in a romantic relationship, how we love ourselves is so important to our healing. And that's really about how we speak to ourselves, how we feel about ourselves and how we treat ourselves and the decisions that we make that will dramatically impact whether or not we choose to heal. So with that, here is more with Molly. You mentioned this briefly before, but we were talking about the you know, that searching for love and attention and everything. And and one of the things that you and I have worked on is the self love part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many times we look for love outside of ourselves. And we don't realize that we have to start with ourselves. So can you speak a
1: little bit to that? Yeah, I mean, you just said it perfectly. Like, if we're not loving ourselves, we we can't love other like, we don't have enough love to give other people. And most people you know, we don't, we don't learn how to love ourselves in this society. We're not taught that we're taught that it's weird to love yourself or it's selfish and you need to be self-sacrificial and, and in order to be happy and to feel fulfilled, you need to look for things outside of you. And most people don't realize like they can get all of their satisfaction, all of their fulfillment from inside of them. You know what I mean? And yeah, And so it's just about learning how to love yourself, which is hard in itself and unlearning how to, you know, unlearning the process of searching outside of yourself in order to receive love and satisfaction and whatever else it is. And, and that's such a huge part of healing because if you're not sending yourself loving energy. If you're speaking badly about yourself, thinking badly about yourself, if you're telling yourself that you're not healthy or that you don't deserve to heal or or even if it's not about your health and you're just not being loving to yourself you know, your cells pick up on that on an energetic level. And they're going to learn to not love themselves. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it's just like this breeding ground for negative energies and illness, if there's a lack of self love. And so putting love back into it, it's like, your the brain is learning to love yourself, the body is learning to love yourself, you know, physiologically, and Love is like the highest, most pure, um, most healing energy of all the energies out there. So putting love into, infusing love into any situation is going to help it heal. But it is so important for every single one of my clients to develop self-love because it's like, you know, you're not going to make the right decisions for your health. Like you're not going to eat the right foods and avoid toxins and like, You know, you're not gonna wanna exercise if you don't love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, then you don't care enough to like respect your body. So it's like a matter of you have to learn how to love yourself to act in a way that supports your health. And then you have to learn how to love yourself so that energetically your body knows, like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be loving myself and like healing. And yeah, it just supports that, it just supports that healing process on an energetic level.
0: Right. So, you know, and that's a great explanation, but I know people are going to look for like, how can I love myself? What are some tools? So can you share just a few tips and tools on how we can start loving
1: ourselves a little bit more? Yes. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to talk about that.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. Perfect.
1: Yeah. So this is something I told Bonnie. One of the ways you can start loving yourself is just simply asking yourself, what do I really want? Because so many of us are like trained or programmed just think, what am I supposed to be doing? What should I be doing? What do these other people want me to be doing? What's the right thing to be doing? Instead of what do I really want to be doing? You know, like what, what do you want? So that's one thing is just consistently on a daily basis asking yourself, what you really want what you, what your soul needs you know setting boundaries with negative things that you know are impacting you negatively whether that's relationships or you know toxins or drinking alcohol or whatever just making those small promises to yourself and setting boundaries with those things you can also just you can also do like affirmation work like telling yourself i love you even if it doesn't feel naturally and natural in the beginning if you keep doing it It will start to feel more natural and more real. And then, you know, I really encourage every, I mean, you were kind of at this level already, Bonnie, so I didn't need to go super deep Mm -hmm. with you, but just meditating and just like taking the time to be still, taking the time to rest and to really go inward and like really get in touch with your soul and your true self And because your true self and your soul is just pure love and light. And the more that you get in touch with that, the more that you're able to get in touch with love and the more that you're able to love yourself.
0: This next conversation really highlighted how much adversity can lead to strength and growth and all of the gifts that come from it. And I was having a conversation with Vera Lee, and she tells the story of being told that she wouldn't live past the age of 30 years. And from that came a huge amount of strength. And it really put a fire under her to seek a greater meaning and purpose in life. And that is something that I can so relate to. I think that so many times, until we're put in that position where we don't know if we're going to live another day, we really... Don't take the time to look and see what are those things that are so important to us and what is the meaning of life and what is my true purpose. So here is a bit with my conversation with Vera Lee. Through all of this, I mean you've you've been through it and you know, and another thing we have in common, and I've never actually said this on my podcast, and I'm, you know, in my mind debating whether I should, but it's like, you know what, I just kinda wanna put it out there because yeah. I can help more people that way. I too was a survivor of domestic violence and and sexual mm. violence, so um, so I understand that that journey as well. But being that you've gone through all that you've gone through and all this adversity, you are so incredibly optimistic. You're just this beautiful light in the world. How what what's behind that? What drives you to, you know, to get up and keep going through all of this?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question and that is something that I put down to the why me question and this is why my movement is called why me movement this is why my podcast is called the why me podcast I believe that with any adversity that we suffer it's at the time going to feel awful it's going to feel really difficult and we need to dig really deep down to try and get through it most of us find ourselves asking that question at some point where we're feeling overwhelmed when we're like I don't know how to do this why me why is this happening to me and I spent so much of my life looking at everybody else and saying they can breathe without trying they can run as long as they want why can't I you know why am I the person that's got this and then on top of it I had the domestic violence and and sexual assault with my ex-husband I was like why me like again why I've already got this I've already got that like there's all these physical things I was already dealing with I also knew I was always different socially to everybody else and so I never quite apart from my small group of friends I never quite fit in with the normal general crowd so I had that and I was like where do I actually fit in in this world However, what I'd learned and discovered was every time I would come with a group of people, they would leave calling me the eternal optimist. You inspire me. Oh. And every time I would talk, they would cry. Mm. And I started observing what was going on. And I would ask people, I've never been afraid to ask people the hard questions. And I used to get in trouble for that when I was younger right? (laughs) because that's rude. You don't say that or people don't want to talk about
0: that. That's too much, right? It's too much, you know. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, people don't want to feel confronted. And yet what I discovered going through, I, I went through a group where we used art therapy to recover from the trauma of the domestic violence. And often sexual assault goes hand in hand with domestic violence. And some of my pieces were confronting because that was me giving a voice visually to what I couldn't yet speak about. Mm. And a lot of places were saying that they were going to refuse showing that work with the rest of the exhibition. Mm. And so we had a lot of discussions behind the scenes about, well, why? Well, because it's confronting. Well, what's wrong with confronting? Right. Oh, we don't want our patrons coming in and getting upset. But if they're getting upset, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. It's touching home somewhere. Yeah. And so that's actually going to help that person, A, become aware that they've got something that they perhaps would like to deal with. And secondly, they're in the right places to ask for help because all of the places these exhibitions were going were places where help was available.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so I learned that I had this ability, and particularly when I did find my actual physical voice, I had this ability to share. I wasn't afraid. To share what had happened eventually once i dealt with it myself and in doing that you know I'd, I'd had so much practice in inspiring myself to live because when you have a choice to live or die which i haven't even talked about that moment yet but mm. when you're in that space and you have that choice and you make the choice that you want to live you know i just knew that i had so many people i could help and it's it's in my inherent nature i've been a teacher all my life And so I really decided to step into that and bring a voice first of all for the people who hadn't yet found theirs like I hadn't through my recovery and then when I did I understand that journey where you need to work it out with yourself first to heal to then be able to speak and so now I bring a voice and a platform for other people to speak about those things that they're not yet ready to speak about. And what that allows is them to think and relate and go, yes. Yes, I went through that. And so often they will tell me, I now have the courage to tell my own story. And that means everything to me mm. yes. because all of our stories are important. All of us have a voice. We all have a story that matters.
0: The next important lesson I learned was how important it is to protect our energy and the impact that energy is coming from outside of us can have upon our physical and our mental health. And I am the kind of person that if I walk into a room and one person is in distress, I will immediately tune into that and I'm immediately in distress, or at least that's how I was before I learned to protect my energy. So Well, we don't protect our energy that drastically impacts our nervous systems. And when our nervous systems are out of whack, that impacts our ability to maintain health or to heal. So it's just the importance of protecting our energy is just there are no words. So I am going to let Jennifer Swartz take it from here and share how we protect our energy and the importance of it from our conversation.
4: We don't realize the impact of the emotions we feel. I mean, even simply watching the news.
0: Yes. Oh yeah. I've minimized that so tremendously because I I've I've experimented and I know that, you know, when the George Floyd thing was happening, I was glued to the TV all day long and I felt so physically and emotionally just sick and drained and, and it, and it does, and it. And it's not just that; it's not just even the real life things. It's like watching a scary movie. It does things to the nervous system that we're not we're not meant to handle things like that. That's it's just it's it's not healthy for us. It's not healthy emotionally, and then the emotions directly impact our physicality. So it's yeah. yeah well,
4: and and also what people and I didn't realize either before I started really down the path of the neural retraining and getting knowledgeable about that, which is outside of the emotion code, but it's, it's all connected. Sure. Is um, that our, our limbic system, the amygdala of the brain doesn't know the difference between something that's happening on the news and something that's happening to you. And so you end up in this fight or flight and, and instead of your body focusing on the normal things that your body should be focusing on your immune system and keeping you healthy, it's fighting a lion. And so if we're constantly bombarded by these messages, the brain, that's its focus. Mm-hmm. And so that then has a toll, takes a toll on level of consciousness, okay, where we're vibrating if you're under a 200, you're, bring, you're inviting in the not-so-good stuff in life. When you're above a 200, that's where the good stuff is. That's where the healing happens. That's where empowerment is. But if you're constantly surrounded by negative people, by, by watching you know, the, the news, whatever it is, it's really hard to maintain at least a 200.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And I've worked at myself, and I'm now at a 350 starting level of consciousness, and I say to people, it's really awesome up here. Right. Like, life happens and, and it does. It's not like everything in my life is great. I mean, we've got plenty of challenge. But I mean, I count my blessings
0: every day, right? I'm not focusing on the challenge. The way that you but, respond to it is very different than how you responded to it before, right? Based on what you've told me in our previous conversations.
4: Yeah. And that space that was created by that. hmm Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the point being, we really need to watch what we expose ourselves to and take really good care of our hearts and, and keeping them free
0: and connected. Yes. And open. Yeah. And open. But in a good way, because we talk, let's talk about, so another thing that Jennifer teaches is shielding. Let's, because I think this is, you know, whether you're doing a motion code or not, I think this technique is really valuable because I think a lot of people that um, suffer from chronic illness have a tendency to be highly empathetic, sensitive people that absorb so much stuff that's not even their own. And I know for me, this is 100% true. And I know that I worked in several very high stress, toxic environments. And the more I was in those environments, the more sick I got. And that was not a coincidence. I was absorbing all of the the crazy and the emotions and uh, the stress of my environment. And it, uh, you know, I'm the kind of person where if my son tells me he has a stomach ache, I have a stomach ache like instantly. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that we need to protect ourselves from those, protect ourselves from those things or else we're constantly bombarded with everybody else's stuff. So yeah, let's talk about shielding. Talk about shielding. So, you know, I,
4: I, with this work, I'm constantly saying as if that wasn't crazy enough, right? As if, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, I'm always saying this and it's just what it is, you know, and it's because I am like a kid in a candy store at this point with it. It's like, what? You can also protect yourself from trapping emotions by saying, I mean, the way that I, I, I shield every client and I, I put an energetic shield around them and, and set an intention and intention is, Pretty much everything when it comes to energy. If you set an intention for what you want, it it there it is. I mean, it's it's that important and that powerful. So we set an intention of protecting ourselves from taking on negative emotions, ne- trauma and negative associations, protecting basically from negative energies coming in, allowing only positive energies in. I also set an intention that when we feel emotions, negative emotions, that we are able to process them out with ease so that they don't become trapped. Now, when we, Dr. Brad talks, he's the one who taught this to me in terms of the um, emotion code. It's part of um, his teaching. It's not exclusive to the emotion code, certainly. Um, But he talks about waking up every morning because when we go to sleep at night, our shields come down. So waking up every morning and saying shields up. You don't have to say it out loud, so everybody doesn't need to know you're crazy. But (laughs) this is
0: like (laughs) only we know, right? (laughs) We keep we keep our crazy amongst ourselves,
4: (laughs) right? But um, to at least say it, you know, you know, in in your head. Um, But this idea and then visualizing protective shields going up around you, whether it's a big you know bubble of white light protecting you, or or actual you know metal shields. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's. It's whatever works for you. Now, initially, you know, I I did this because he said to, and I already had seen the power of this work otherwise. So I was going with it. But then I started having clients who, you know, the the pain went away one or two sessions, pain's gone. Okay. And then a few weeks later, suddenly the pain starts creeping back in. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, are you shielding? and oh, I keep forgetting, you know, this (laughs) this whole like, I mean to and then I don't. And so we do a session on what was trapped since last session, basically since the pain wasn't there. And like eight emotions will come up. (laughs) And we clear them and then the pain goes away. And so I started realizing that people will only trap maybe one or two emotions between sessions if they're shielded, Mm. if they're not shielded, they're going to trap. So, so I kind of get hardcore with my clients. You can pay me to clear out all the recent stuff that you can protect yourself from even trapping in the first place by simply saying shields up and visualizing those shields. The other piece though to shielding is when life happens and it does, in those moments that you feel triggered or challenged, that you can say something to yourself like, please increase my shields, You know, please allow the emotion of frustration, you know, anxiety, whatever you're feeling to process out with ease. And it's hard in the moment because you're not feeling like you want a shield in that moment because mm-hmm. you're having a moment, you're having an emotional moment.
0: Right.
4: And we're not so motivated then. Mm-hmm. But if we can get in a habit of taking a deep breath and setting that intention, it can, I mean, it can make the difference of whether your neck is hurting again or your um, anxiety levels are through the roof or, you know, it, what you're dealing with from a physical standpoint or, you
0: know, emotional. Next up, let's talk about stress. Let's talk about stress, baby. Anyway, so <sighs> that's what happens when I get tired, folks. I just start singing. Anyway, I had a conversation with Adam Kruger and he was talking about the impact that stress had on his illness and just in general, the impact that it has on illness. And this is a pattern that I kept seeing over and over again, every conversation I had, trauma and stress and the dramatic impact on health. So let's hear from Adam you know, I keep hearing stress is a recurring theme. So do, do you feel that stress is kind of a root cause? I, I'm, I'm very big on root cause also, because I believe that, yes, you know, we maybe have some genetic predispositions to certain things. And, you know, I know I do, but I believe that, you know, depending upon what our life circumstances are and what we go through in life and the various traumas and things like that, that so much of that can perpetuate and magnify whatever genetic Things that were set up for. So, tell me, you know, what you think is the relationship between stress and what you've gone through with your health?
3: Well, I mean, stress is a killer. Uh, it it kills literally. I, I I believe that stress is the root cause of probably like eighty percent of diseases on the planet. Mm-hmm. I I really do. I think genetics play a role. I think your mind plays a role because I I believe and and. I believe science has proven everything's energy, right? So yeah. if everything's energy, then your thoughts about things are energy too. And that, that literally affects and shapes your reality. So, and I know that that can be hooey mumbo jumbo for people, but it's science, it's real. So, you know- I've
0: seen it work with myself and with so many other people that I've had the pleasure to, to know and see go through this healing process. So I I completely believe in it.
3: Yeah, as as have I. And so so when I look at it and I go, okay, well- stress on a on a physiological level what happens when you stress out well when you stress for a second right your body releases adrenaline your pupils constrict um you are ready to either fight or flight right Mm -hmm. those are those are the two things that's what that's what stress does and it was meant to help us survive right that's what it was meant to do now your brain uh doesn't know the difference between a thought and something happening on the outside of you and so um, I, we were talking before we started the interview about uh, Dr. Dispenza and, you know, Becoming Supernatural is a phenomenal book that I read. And it talks about the psycholog sorry, the physiological changes of of what happens when you are meditating and when you're positively visualizing and, and how you can actually manifest things and what happens biochemically in the body when these things are are occurring. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with stress, what happens is it's meant to be helpful for us in the short term. But if you're long-term stressing and you're always stressed out, what happens is your cortisol levels rise. And when your cortisol levels rise, your immune system goes down. And when your immune system goes down, you're susceptible to all sorts of diseases. And when this is happening all the time, there's so many different systems in your body that go out of whack. So the main thing for me, in, in in my opinion, for people in general, is reduce your stress. Stop stressing so much. Let it go. Relax. Find some time to get to that happy place and stay there as much as you can. Uh, life isn't meant to be serious all the time. Like, That's have right. A little, ha, get goofy once in a while. Yeah. Totally.
0: Oh my gosh, playing is 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 amazing. I mean, just taking yourself back to that when you were a kid and. You don't have to be a kid to be a kid, right? Like, you know, no. we, can, we, can, we can still be there every day. And that's, that's one of the things I know you have a young son. And, you know, one of the things I love about being with children is it gives me permission to be a child. But what I've learned recently is I don't need that. I can be a child in and of myself if I want to. And it's fun and it's light and it lifts myself and the other people around me who may think I'm crazy or just may think I'm fun. But <laughs> I think that's huge.
3: I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's having fun is necessary. I, I think that, I mean, it, to go back to an old saying, you know, all work and no play make so-and-so a dull boy or whatever, which is a weird saying. Or a, but a it's sick true. boy. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the truth. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to find a good work-life balance because if you don't have that, um, you know, you don't have anything. And, and honestly, you can have all the money in the world, literally, literally all the money in the world. But if you don't have health, you have nothing. So absolutely, you know, you have to prioritize your mental health and your physical health. And then from there come from a a place of fullness and, and give that way.
0: So you've heard it from me, and you just heard from Adam, the correlation between stress and illness. And if you need a little more convincing, I think it helps to hear it from an actual Western medically trained doctor. So I'm going to play a little clip from my conversation with Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh regarding the correlation between stress and illness.
5: It's not that we're not supposed to have a stress response, but the problem is, again, going back to technology and modern living, we are in a stress response all day long, 24 hours a day. Most people are in that physiological stress response because the stressors are coming 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you remember from high school biology, we all saw that image of the caveman, right. Running away from the tiger. And that was supposed to teach us about the stress response about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And what that was trying to tell us is that when there is some kind of danger stressor, the tiger, we will, our bodies have a natural response that will move us into action and get us to be able to be safe, to escape the tiger. And then once we've escaped the tiger, we'll go into the parasympathetic nervous system and relax. Now, the problem is in our modern world, the tigers are, are jumping out at us every single minute of yes. the day, every single second, right? Yep. So we are constantly in that stress response in the sympathetic nervous system. And that is where every chronic illness, every disease, every symptom can be linked right back to the stress response.
0: Well, there you have it. If you weren't convinced before, hopefully you are convinced now that stress reduction is one of the biggest keys to eliminating health issues and resolving health issues and creating a space where we can heal. And I do recommend that you go back and listen to that episode of the Dr. Avante Kumar Singh. I think she offered a lot of really great tips on stress reduction. And you'll find those tips throughout many of my episodes. So I encourage you to go back and listen to any you may have missed. This next conversation and this next lesson I learned was the correlation between highly sensitive or empathic people and chronic illness and just how real that is. I've always identified as an empath, or I guess I didn't realize when I was younger what it was. But I just know that if someone else wasn't feeling well, or was unhappy, I suddenly felt that same way. So it's like taking on that energy of that other person, just because you're near them and in their presence. So I sat down with uh, Sarah Small, who is a health coach who specializes in helping coach other empaths she talks about the connection between empathic people and chronic illness and just how real that is. So here we go. Is that something that you see repeatedly in your in your practice in your life where there's a big connection between autoimmune or just chronic illness in general and emotional trauma?
6: I do. And I all also absolutely see huge correlation between the highly sensitive intuitive empathic women of the world who also have autoimmune and chronic illness and that I actually pivoted my business because I saw this so much and if we break it down and kind of reverse engineer it it makes a lot of sense because when we are so sensitive to the world when we're a sponge to the world and we take on all of this energy literally the physical pain of others, the stress, the anxiety, the weight of conflict, and just other people's emotions, and we carry it as our own, which is what empaths do. Then, if we at least if we, if we don't know how to clear it, if we don't have boundaries, we do that, and
2: exactly.
6: to be carrying that all the time. Of course, we're going to see that exacerbate symptoms, create new symptoms. For me, it was very associated with the panic and anxiety where I would walk into a crowded place and go into a panic attack. It was just too much Mm. because I was never clearing any energy and I was just loading it all into a backpack and carrying it around. Mm mostly unknowingly until like my eyes finally opened up to see like, Oh, there's a choice here and I don't have to carry this around, but I see huge correlation between the highly sensitive empathic woman and having chronic illness. And then also the emotional component. So I was explaining, you know, parents get divorced. First physical symptom shows up some things in high school are happening emotionally, another physical symptom and diagnosis shows up. And as a general theme, I, I have seen, I don't have, um, thyroid issues, but I work with a, mm-hmm. with a lot of women who either have like formal diagnosis of Hashimoto's or just have some ir- irregularity in their, their thyroid. And with that, every single person I've worked with, I'm not saying that this is true for everybody, but every person I've worked with who has a thyroid imbalance, resonates with the people pleaser or the the woman who mm-hmm. has trouble expressing herself and really using her voice feels timid around her voice and sacrifices herself for others which is also a very empath thing to do as well
0: i wonder how many of you listening can relate to that i think so many of us have that empathic quality and it can lead us down a road of chronic illness so that's really something to pay attention to and really to learn how, like we talked about with Jennifer Swartz earlier in the episode, to shield ourselves from all of those things that are constantly bombarding us in our environment. This next lesson was, I think, really important. Something I learned was, you know, you may have a diagnosis. And with that, a lot of people can put their limiting beliefs on you about what you can and can't do. And this next conversation, I was having a conversation with Paul Fortune, and he was diagnosed as a baby with cerebral palsy and told he would forever be in a wheelchair. And he took that and he turned it around and he used his energy and put out into the world an energy that he was capable of so much more. So listen to this.
7: I'm being bullied and teased in school pretty much every day. I'm going up in my room and I'm crying myself to sleep because I'm sick of this. You know, I'm, I'm just sick of feeling this way. I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't want to be different. Well, I just want to fit in. And uh, I remember midway through eighth grade, something came over me. Uh, my go-to emotions all at the time were anger and sadness. That was my go-to mm-hmm. emotions. And mm-hmm. I knew deep down, that really wasn't my go-to emotions. Right. And I'm sick of feeling these feelings. And I thought to myself, how could I change things up? How can I start to feel better about myself? And I thought, what if I set a goal for myself to distract me from all these, these this the sadness and anger I'm feeling with you know being teased all the time and, and all this negative energy going towards me? So so I thought, what if I I, I made a goal for myself to make my varsity baseball team? And at the nice. time that was a ridiculous, you know, people thought that was a ridiculous goal. Somebody with cerebral palsy making a varsity high school baseball team, give me a Good break.
0: You. That's incredible.
7: Yeah, so I thought, well, let's give it a go. So I played a fall ball, spring ball, winter ball. If I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. I'm just doing this constantly, over and over again. And the more important thing about this than actually accomplishing the goal was I was changing the energy I was putting out to, to these other kids. Mm-hmm. I had my shoulders back, my head forward, my head up. Everything everything was changing. And as a result of this energy change that I was putting out it was being received differently. And as a result, they started rooting for me as opposed to bullying and teasing me. So my high school career was much different than my junior high career, all because of the energy change in, in, my, own, in, in my own body, in my own, you know, inside. It was all because of that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the law of attraction. It's like, you know, what you're putting out is what you're getting back. It's, you know, it's so, there's so much truth to that.
7: Yeah, I didn't know that at the time. Looking back, that's right. you're 100 percent right. But you know, looking at my story from you know, 20 years, you know, thir- gosh, 30 years later, uh, you know, it's it's different. Uh, you know, I, I can look at it differently, and I'm happy to say I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. And uh, you know, my yeah, thank you. And my my senior year, I actually threw a three hit shutout. So.
0: Okay, seriously, how inspiring was that here? We've got a guy that was told he was going to be in a wheelchair for the remainder of his life. And he goes on to be a varsity baseball player. I mean, it just goes to show what you put out into the universe really has a lot to do with the outcome. And really to be mindful of the energies that we put out there and the words that we use, because our bodies are paying attention, our minds are paying attention. And the things that we put out there will likely manifest. And that can happen with the good things that we put out there and the not so good things. So let's try to focus on keeping things as positive as possible. And you just never know where you're going to go with it. So I found Paul so inspiring that I decided to share another clip. Because another lesson that I found in my conversation with with him was the one of vulnerability. And I think when we are in the depths of chronic illness, it's very easy and very natural to want to hide and to not want to share all of the darkest moments that we're going through and all of the deficits that we may have in, you know, things that we want to do in this life but are unable to do. And I know there was a time for me where I didn't want people to see me when I was at my lowest of lows and then something in me said, you know, I think that I can use this to help people and here we are with the podcast. So, I think that being vulnerable and sharing your moments even if they aren't like the the perfect Instagram highlight reels that we see. That's what people resonate with. And that I think will open up all sorts of doors and bring you closer and help people to recognize the humanity in you and give them permission to be human as well. So with that, here is another clip from our friend Paul.
7: After the presentation, I went up to him to thank him for the great job he did and picked his brain a little bit. And he said he started as a life coach. I'm like, the heck is that? A life <laughs> right.
0: Coach. Right.
7: And explain to me what a life coach did. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. So I put it out in the universe. That's what I want to do. And on my off time of being a mortgage loan officer, I was getting my coaching certificate and I was telling people that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a life coach. And people were saying to me, Okay, whatever, life coach. Get out and get some loans. So we're just kind of humoring right. me, like this. Yeah, you know, he's not going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I, things started to get real serious. I, I got my website up, and and everything was going on. And the bank I was working at that at the time, I, because I switched several times in my career, and and they were like, "What is this business that you're doing?" And like, and I explained it to them. Like, this is a conflict of interest. And then the, the legal team came back mm-hmm. with five pages of what I couldn't, couldn't say and when I could do it, when I couldn't do it. Hmm. So I knew that I was not going to get any traction doing both the mortgage, mortgage loan officer and, and doing the coaching. Right. So I I had to make a decision what do I want to do. And I thought, well, I really want to do the coaching. So I paid down my debts. I made some, you know, sacrifices in my, my spending habits. And and I made that leap of faith. And the crazy thing is when I quit the mortgage industry, for a while, a lot of people didn't even want to talk to me or, or barely would talk to me because they're mm-hmm. like, you're a mortgage loan officer. You're not a coach. What is this nonsense right, about? Right. You know, and it was weird because it's like, I'm not affecting anything. I'm just changing mm-hmm. it up. And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. And, and, and since then, most of, the, most of the relationships, you know, been repaired. But but for a while, it was, it was hard. And here I was now as a life coach. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just throwing stuff off the wall <laughs> of stuff, right? and being stuck, right? Got to start it,
0: somewhere, right?
7: Yeah, doing videos, doing all kinds of stuff. Nobody yeah. really wanted to trust me at all. Nobody, and um, and I thought to myself, why is that? Why is that? And then I thought to myself, I'm not being vulnerable um, because at the time, the story that I that I told you, Bonnie, about having cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bury that story. I didn't mm-hmm. want to tell anybody that story. I was embarrassed by that story hmm. because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was just fit in with the other kids. I did not want any special treatment. Right. So I didn't want to talk about it. So if any of brought the story up to me, I would get emotional, just even bringing it up or even saying the word cerebral palsy would get me emotional. Hmm. Um, and I thought though, that how am I, if I'm not being vulnerable with my clients, How do I expect them to be vulnerable with me? They need to know where I'm coming from for them to want to trust me. They got to know my story.
0: That's right. And once
7: I start doing that, things just started opening up for me. People started to trust me, start getting clients, uh, uh, you know, did right by my clients. And then they, they referred their friends and, and, and then I started my own podcast with another coach and, you know. You know, helping out thousands and thousands of people now. And here, here we are talking on, on your podcast, Bonnie. It's
0: incredible. What a great story. This final lesson I want to share with you is about listening to your intuition. And sometimes we get a little nudge from the universe or just something inside of us that tells us to do something. And we don't always know what the end result's going to be or where it's going to take us. But for me, starting this podcast has truly changed the trajectory of my life and my healing. And it's led me through so much learning and growth. And it's taken me to a very different place than where I was. So I'm going to play a little snippet of an interview that I did on someone else's podcast. I was being interviewed and it just kind of encapsulates my whole journey on this podcast.
8: Not that you're not against medical treatment because you've obviously had that and that's helped. Mm-hmm. But I think what you discovered which I thought was just fascinating is there's something more that you do on top of that, right?
0: So much, so yeah. much. So that's really been my my journey over the over this past year. So I like Paula started a podcast and through my podcast, I discovered several people that had been on a similar journey and had healed and almost miraculously. And I just got really, really curious about what are these people doing? Well, gosh, if they can do it, then why can't I? So I started to delve deeper into that. I had a couple people on my podcast that had gone on this journey and we're now living these amazing lives and helping other people to heal. And I started working with a health coach and I started to rewire my brain, which is essentially, you know, just imagining yourself, seeing your life as though, as the way you want it to be mm-hmm. and really just, you know, doing a lot of visualization and really just taking away those negative brain loops that we tell ourselves like, oh, you're, you're never going to be better. You're always going to be sick. And instead thinking, I, you know, I'm getting well. I am getting healthy. I am capable of this. I'm empowered to heal. So. And I know we
8: talked about, you love Dr. Joe Dispenza, right? Oh,
0: love, 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 yeah. yes. And
8: and and although I'm not sure he says law of attraction 100% of the time, I mean, it, it's all the same concepts, right? That we become yeah. what we think about and the neuroplasticity of our brain. And he, I love him because he gives us a science to allow us to believe it because, you know, I both know belief is so important. And the fact that you had these people on your podcast and it worked for them gave you this foundation of, Well, hell, it works for them. Maybe it works for you. And the belief is in there. Now, you've only had this podcast for about a year, right? Yeah, it's actually um, April will be one full year. Yeah, Yeah. and just Mm -hmm. exploded. And just, I mean, not only the podcast, but what
0: it's done for your life, Uh, right? Unbelievable. It's been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, just to give you an idea. So... When I started my the podcast, I had just been recovering from hip surgery, and I was, you know, I wasn't really able to do a whole lot in terms of, you know, hiking or walking or anything. I was, you know, I was a big, I love being out in nature. I love hiking. I, you know, I love doing those things. So I was kind of, you know, still recovering from that, and I was taking, I think, eight or nine prescription medicines at that time every day, and now I have eliminated five or six of those medications I'm only taking wow. three per day so and I am hiking up to seven miles at a time That's you know amazing. Ma- mountains and yeah it's just it's it's absolutely incredible and my life is just beautiful and wonderful and I'm thriving and and just to make sure they know this has <sighs> just really happened in the last year
8: mm-hmm. yes it's, I mean not not that you haven't had medical help but the last year is you, you had a different thought process right you had a different set of concepts that you were focusing on
0: yeah and and you know the medical stuff I mean the surgeries yes they were they were necessary they were you know acute conditions that needed help but it was when I really started to look beyond western medicine and look at what what can I do what can I take control of to help you know, move in a direction of healing. And that's when the actual real healing, it wasn't just me putting band-aids on anymore by taking right, all these right. medicines that were covering covering things up and just kind of like hanging in there and, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop. This is now me saying, All right, I'm gonna take my power back. I'm gonna do everything in my power. And it and it has been a lot of work. I'm not gonna lie. I mean it has been, there's been a lot that I've put into it, but I would do it all over again, obviously. Let me ask you
8: this. Did you start the podcast almost a year ago now to do the healing or did you do the podcast and the healing came when you started interviewing these people?
0: The, the latter yeah oh, so okay. when I started it it's funny because I'm actually thinking about rebranding my podcast it's called the chronically courageous and it starts with an intro that talks about me being crouched on the floor of my office ready to pass out and all you know kind of like this victim mindset and that's uh-huh. very much where I was when I when I started it and I'm in a very different place now I'm in a, in a very empowered place I keep saying the word empowered that's no but it's
8: know. so appropriate, right and it's yeah. so true I mean you're not a victim and and um And if people can understand that have been in your position right that you think you're a victim because you think you have no control over your outside circumstances but look at what you've done so tell tell us about that journey
0: yeah i mean i think you know i think the biggest thing paula is people need to have hope and you know you take that away and where do you go with that you know if you don't just have that as a a starting point to start you know stepping your way back up and when I started to hear these stories of people doing their healing, that was where I, I got hope. I'm like, well, gosh, if they can do it, then who says I can't? I love that. Right. And it, and it's just these little these little steps toward. Um, and the coincidence is you know, right.
8: I mean, you didn't start out gosh. to say, I'm going to have these people on that healed themselves. Yes. But did, were you trying to find people that had been chronically ill? Is that what your the podcast was basically the
0: premise was? My, my initial intention was really to give people a voice and to share their stories of chronic illness and you know and hopefully you know, and give people some hope and you know some, maybe some little tidbits of things that had happened that were positive in their lives. But it was really because I had been so um, not heard when I was younger. I wanted people to have a voice. I wanted people, you know, because these invisible illnesses, people don't see it. They don't think it's real. You know, if right. your leg's not chopped off, they don't understand right. that like everything going in inside might be broken, but they don't see that. So that was my initial intent. But then our mutual friend, Ashley Gonner introduced yeah. me. To, she introduced me to someone that had done, that had gone through their healing process by the name of Rachel Barber. And that was when I had her on my show. And I was like, really intrigued and I started following her and then I tried to get enrolled in one of her courses it was a course more for like coaches that were going to be teaching uh other people to heal and I wasn't I wasn't there yet because I still needed to heal myself but the person that I spoke to to sign up for the course said well I do coaching too and I've been trained by her so why don't I coach you So I was like, okay, sure. Sounds great. I I just wanted a place to start. I wanted... Right, 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 right. Sure. You know, so we went through this whole process. You know, like I said, a lot of the brain rewiring, a lot of it was emotional healing because what people don't realize is that beneath the physical ailments, there's such an emotional component. And, you know, I had been through, you know, the, the the chronic illness is one part of my story, but I shared with you, I went through a 10 year court battle with my son's father mm-hmm. that was very, very contentious. And, you know, and prior to that, of, of, and that can be
8: just as destructive as anything physical, uh, right? I mean, it, oh, well, it's to your physical problems,
0: but it oh my God. completely does. It completely does. And, you know, before that, a domestic violence situation. And, you know, so it's like, an addiction I mean you name it it's like I have been through the school of life but I I don't regret any of it and I don't feel sorry for myself for even half a second because it's all brought me exactly to where I am right now which is such an amazing beautiful (laughs) place and you know it's just such a such a beautiful place to be because I now have all these experiences where I can relate to other people that are going through these types of things and I can have the empathy and the compassion and And give them hope because I can say, listen, I was there and I can show them videos of me in a wheelchair and videos of me, you know, crying in a hospital bed and things and, and say, listen, this is where I was. You see, you see what you see now, but that wasn't always the case and I can give them hope and that is a beautiful gift. And the
8: fact that we can become grateful for the negative things that happened in our lives in the past because it's brought us where we are and what we have to share, that in and of itself changes our past, right? It changes it from something where we're a victim to something we're extremely grateful for. And that we can use that to your advantage and to how many other people's advantage? I mean, you have no idea how many people that you've changed, Bonnie. I mean, maybe not just have listened to your podcast, but you've changed the people that listen to it. And then the the, the ripple effect. I love the ripple effect. I love, you know, um, the fact that you showed up. And that's what I want everybody to understand. You know, Bonnie showed up. I showed up. We had no idea anybody was going to listen to us. Exactly. (laughs) Or we would have a platform or anything. But if you just show up, the amazing thing is the universe shows you the next step. Like you said, you found Ashley, and then she found you, Rachel, and
0: then you found something else. I, I love it when we, you know, when we connect all the dots. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, and now I am changing the course of my life. And now I'm going on to be a coach. I'm actually co-coaching a course right now with a beautiful group of women and teaching them to heal, which has been an incredible experience. And, you know, I mean, it's just each, it's just really follow that nudge, I guess, is my biggest advice is like, things come to you for a reason. There are no coincidences. And if you just really pay attention, and for so much of my life, I didn't. Whew. I am getting emotional listening to that. So that was a longer clip, but I thought it was important to play it because it really just sums up my whole journey through this past year of doing this podcast and why it was so important that I followed my intuition and took those chances and put myself out there and was vulnerable. And I showed myself love by giving myself a voice and by giving myself a purpose and all of these lessons just kind of wrapped into one little, nice little bow. And one of the things that I learned throughout this journey was that what we talk about and what we think about is going to perpetuate in our lives. And When I started this podcast, The Chronically Courageous seemed like a very applicable name and the whole theme of it was very much aligned with where I was in my life. But because of the journey I've gone on, that's no longer the place where I am and it no longer feels aligned to have a podcast that is perpetuating me having chronic illness. So of course, I will continue to talk about these things. But in order to expand to my next level of healing and to help all of you to expand to your next level of healing. Here's the big reveal, folks, I am going to be completely rebranding this podcast, it will like I said, we will still talk about overcoming, but it's going to be a lot more expansive than that. It's going to be from a place of empowerment, and it is going to include a lot of other things that if people have overcome, because as I mentioned, the health portion of my story is just one portion. And I think that we can learn so much, and there's so much interwoven between health and And all of the other things that we encounter and overcome in our lives. So with that, I am going to say goodbye to the Chronically Courageous. It's been an incredible year. And I thank you all so much for being on this amazing journey with me. And I am going to put a pause on the podcast for hopefully not too long. It could be a month. It could be a couple of months. I just want to follow what's in alignment for me and really listen to my intuition and come up with something that is going to be more aligned with where I'm headed and the path that I plan to take moving forward. And I hope that you will all follow me on social media because I will be dropping some more information along the way, some breadcrumbs to what is to come. And I am very, very excited about this next chapter. And I really look forward to having you there with me to share it. So again, thank you for being with me. I love you all so much. And I will talk to you when we start our next chapter. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.